Hi, I'm Vicky Roach, and I'm a UN woman living on UN country, southeast coast. I'm a survivor of the stolen generations, and I've spent many years in the prison system. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. My mob's a mutty mutty, yorta yorta, yitta yitta, nary nary. I too am a survivor of the stolen generations. I'm a singer songwriter, a broadcaster, and one of the founders of Beyond the Bars Prism Radio Broadcasts. Hey, Vicky, do you know what this series is about? Are we doing a series? You better tell me what it's called then. 20 Years on the Inside. Hmm. Yeah, I probably did around that long all up. Yeah, me too. In children's homes and other institutions. Let's face it, this whole country is a prison of sorts for blackfellas, dating right back to invasion. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. We'd both like to acknowledge you, the custodians of all the traditional lands where individuals are tuning in today. And just a warning, this series features the voices of family, friends and relatives that have now passed, as well as strong content and themes including experiences of racism, violence, child abuse and drug and alcohol references. Today's episode is the final in our six-part series. Once again, we'll be reflecting on the failures of processes and programs on the inside and questioning the ideas and actions that underpin justice in this country. We'll also be focusing on what happens once people get beyond the gates and re-enter the community and hear about the dreams and ideas that people on the inside have for a better future. Uh, We are such a huge representation in prison all over Australia statistically, it has to stop and it's going to st- not going to stop while you're building more beds in a prison. It's a Band-Aid. What about beds outside? Would it be suited to have 40 beds outside for women offenders to go into than ec- building an extra 40 in here and looking at building another 50 over on the other side of the compound? Why? Why are you doing that? Why don't you put the money into Aboriginal housing and get us a home where we can go to? Years now, t- nearly three years I've been here, I've been hearing the same stories from women over and over, the only time they get to see their children is in prison because they don't feel like they can give their child outside because they don't have anything. It's not right. It's not right. And we're just going to keep seeing people coming back in until you do something outside. The courses we're doing here, Coach, don't really... um, It's not really a benefit for us when we've got no counselling or... Support when we do leave these gates, you know? Because mm. once we leave the gates, bro, you're, we, there, um, you're there to defend, defend for yourself. You're, you're back in the society where you've got to defend for yourself again. There's no moral support, and a lot of moral support goes a long way, you know? And mm. you know, this, this goes for all, you know, all the brothers in the system and the sisters, you know? Mm. Yeah, they seem to, seem to spend a lot of money on us when we are in here, and as soon as we come back through that gate, mm. they, they, um, they're quick to throw the courses in our face and get this into you, get that into you, and uh, it'll help you get released, you know. But once you are released, 
You don't see them. You, yeah. you see nothing. You're not their problem. In, You're not their problem yeah, exactly. anymore. Exactly. And they, they're lucky to spend a, you know, two bob on your on your welfare or care or, yeah, give or, you, or, give or your you, mental health. Give you, know? you a bus fare, train fare, and on your way. But they're um, they're keen to spend money on you when you're incarcerated, but they don't want to know you when you when you're out. There. So are there drug rehabilitation? Yeah, there is. You know, um, no, um. Or abuse rehabilitation. Yeah, abuse. A day or two doing a course. What's a day or two? Mm. Now you do that one, two days, and and you, you really got no support, really. When you do get that that chance to do that day or two, you can wait up to four months, five months to get that day or two. It's like, um, obviously, you come in with it, you know, um, emotionally and and physically all over the place, mm. and. Uh, and you can wait up to four, up to three to four to five months before you can get a chance to do a course. Mm. Um, and when that course does come up, it's two hours one day, two hours the next day. Right, oh, you're right. Slap a certificate in your face and say congratulations. I um, heard early part that um, Maramali was in here all last week. Yeah, Honey yeah. Lorraine and yeah, that was uh, absolutely fantastic. One of the uh, there's a lot. So of people who don't know what what actually. So what actually happens in that in that week? It's about it's about the um, it's based on the issues of of the stolen generation, um, their emotional feelings and what they've had to deal with and and going back to their elders and their communities. Yeah, when it all started. When it all started. But the thing is, with it, um, you don't have to be from that um, from that stolen generation to be able just to extend family too to, to relate to, um, to it. Um, it can be mm. it can be from, um, from generation a, by generation from um, drug abuse and all that. You, you can relate to it in different areas. It, it relates mm. to all areas, and um, it was a fantastic course. It was the best mm. and it went for a week, and it was done by by our elder Annie Lorraine and by our people. Mm. And that was the, the big, the, the big difference, the, the factor of it all. Mm. It was done by us, the Koori, it was Koori people, teaching us Koori, Koori lads, you know. No way. Yeah. Mujigami. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it ah. wasn't some some white fella who's got no culture, and mm. doesn't know how we're feeling inside. You know what I mean? It's, it was um, done by our people, and I think that's mm. why we, all of us, that done the course, we related to it. My reflection was one that there's not enough supports for people um, post prison, and two that homes and housing are the single biggest impediment to being able to access services that are there and to have a start. Um, because otherwise, I understand perfectly, you go back to the people you know, the people who may have been part of your family in jail. Um, these are the people you, you go to because they're your family. Or they've become your family. They've become part of, of this um, community that is, is made up of us. Not to be disrespectful, Lawrence, how old are you now? 31. 31, and how long do you reckon you've spent in, in walls like this? Uh, about since I was 10. That's an indictment, isn't it, Ross? Mm -hmm. you know? 
either either juvenile justice centres. Yeah, or, from or juvenile to yeah, adult. Nothing's yeah. changed, eh? Nothing's changed. Nah, just false promises all the time. But yeah. like brothers, brothers keep themselves like in here. It's like a for for Indigenous brothers in here. It's more like a belonging place because outside they get they get false promises like you come to your release date. You know, we get this and this this for you. You know, we've got drug rehab. We've got this. We've got counsellors for you. We've got, you know, people to help you. And you step out the door and there's nothing. There's no accommodation. Mm. There's no support. There's no nothing. So brothers think, well, all right, I'll see how I can do on my own for a little while. And it gets hard because when you haven't had that kind of help and you're out there... And you go back to your communities. The only thing that your mates are doing is doing the stuff that you've done before you come to jail. So they think, well, no one cares out there. And when they get phone calls from the brothers in here, that's what happens. They in here. They care more about the boys out there. So they're expressing their love from in here, and you're doing what you can for them out there. And it's more of a family in here because we come to education together. We train together, we eat together, we're a family in here. So when we step out their malls, we only interact with who we know, mm. not actually the brighter community. So I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping that the next time I step out the gates that, you know, from what they've... Hopefully, you know, there's people out there that can give us more support mm. because I've been coming in since I was a kid... And it's getting beyond the joke, you know. I've lost too many good brothers and, you know, too many good family members. And to to come in here, you know, and to claim this is my family, it's good. Yeah, I love my brothers in here and my sisters out in Deer Park. But at the same time, you know, I don't belong here and none of my brothers do. We look at, and this is just in my case, three weeks ago I buried... Uh, nephew, Russell, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, Russell Moore did time in um, Florida. Yeah. And we, just, we, meaning Australia, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not Australian for a start, but we as Australians, we look at he'd done something wrong, you know. But what about what was done to him as a child? What about the hypocrisy and the justice that he deserves? Where, well, he where, got none. He got none, no. But but his home. And neither did his mum. Yeah, I, I look at yeah. the I look at the beauty in the fact that they're together again, not in the in death, obviously. But I look at the fact that he's no longer in pain. And yeah, when I walked into the to the you know and and I thank you know my family my cousins and for allowing me to to be a part of that you know and walked into the space where he was in lay and and my spirit told me you know don't just walk in there and I ran out to the car and I grabbed the clapsticks and I walked back in and I sang to him in mati mati you know he, he not Mati Mati, he was Wamba Wamba, neighbouring clan. Yeah. But he would have, his spirit would have heard language 
yeah. maybe for the first time. And so I sang to him in, in Mati Mati and um, hopefully he heard it, you know. I, matter of fact, I, I know he heard it. Nobody looks at the fact of... Because the justice needed to be held against his him committing what he committed. But nobody looks at what was committed to him as this, you know, three-week-old child, you know, wrenched from his mother. Where's the, where's the justice that is owed to him and Beverly, you know, and the extended family? So we need to look beyond each individual person's crime and we need to look holistically as see it's the powers that be that hold that hold the destiny of us as blackfellas you know in in their hands and I, I i don't understand that and it shouldn't be in their hands and it shouldn't be in the hands of their um sick events either mm. um it should be in our hands and we should have um, we should have the rights to our own self-determination and our own justice and our own systems, our own law, our own country, our own people, our own communities. Um, they need to leave us alone. Over the last 20 years, what we've heard over and over again are the amazing dreams, plans and ideas that our community have to deal with our situation in our ways. People on the inside are in a unique position to have a sophisticated understanding of what doesn't work. And it's clear that they spend a lot of time developing a vision of what could work. So many of the ideas are about community control and us determining our own futures. Like I said, my plan from even a young kid yeah. was us helping us. Um, I watched my dad go through a pretty harsh system back over there in WA, the old bluestone walls, and when the punishment was physical. But now I think um, in the system, the punishment's more psychological. Mm. You know, and if you get people in their minds and in their hearts and in their spirits, you've got them locked up forever, whether they're in jail or not. Mm. And I've spoken to Uncle Dave, you know, about that a few times. I mean, it's one thing, and I mentioned it before, to find peace and a sense of calm while you're in here. But sometimes it's hard to take that outside because at the same time, you've, you're forced to find a sense of peace. If you get angry and start pacing the yard, you've got a bunch of officers and psychologists wanting to pull you aside and, you know, try and slot you. You know, you mm. raise your voice once, they hit their button. You know, you've got, a, you've got an army of officers ready to put you in handcuffs and all you're trying to explain is you're a bit upset and you're missing your kids or your, your mum or your dad. or mm. You know, but the system seems to have this whole view that, you're just a prisoner, you're just a number, you've got no right to pretend to be a victim of circumstance or you've got no right to have an emotion or have a feeling. And if you try to advocate for yourself or on behalf of another person about the emotional side, about your spiritual side, about your cultural side, they all of a sudden, oh, you know, the attitude is don't play the victim, 
you've mm. done a crime and that's all they see. Mm. My situation, like I said, I started in the system at five years old. Mm. What choices did I have? I mean, I take responsibility for who I am. It's my choice to pick up a drug or not. But if the circumstances are against me and I'm not strong in spirit or strong in family, it's, it's more, it comes down almost to a lack of options, Unc. Mm. Yeah, and I think for what I want to do and what I'd always plan to do with my dad, and I know he's here with me right now, and I know he understands too, and, um, and I know he wants to support me in that because we always plan together to use our knowledge of the system, use our experience to turn around and provide an option out there. So we've always had a program that we wanted to set up around youth work, mm. mainly to sort of stop the younger guys coming in. But also what we wanted to do mainly was to get the older guys mm. out of the system. You know, if they need a job, you know, they can come and work for our organisation. Um, if they need a place to stay, you know, we can do that. And But all we ask for them in return is if they need to go and pick up a young fella that's struggling a bit and have a brew and a yak with them to help them, well, that's how they give back. And that way we kind of hit the system at both ends. Mm. You know, we get the older guys out and get them supported so they can stay out there and strong and get them back into their culture and then mm. also use that as an example to to the younger fellas as well, that there is options, yeah. you know. One of my dreams when, when I do get out is, is to help younger males. I want to become a role model for them and help them. And I want to do a few courses and I want to become a drug and alcohol counsellor to help people in my situation and to, to get the message out there that drugs aren't the answer. If you're suffering from mental health, if, if you know, you're rebelling against your parents, you can't go through drugs like I have because it ruins your life. And especially ice, it's a nasty drug. You know what I mean? And there's younger and younger people getting on it these days. So I, I want to do my bit in here. And then when I get out, I want to go to TAFE and, and do a few drug and alcohol counselling courses and become a drug and alcohol counsellor and even a social worker because there needs to be more done. It comes down to the older generation, but also the younger generation like me. I'm, I'm, I can't get word out being in here, but at least if I can get word out through the radio, then, then the younger generation will think, well, I'm not going to do it, because he did it and he ended up in jail. And he's 31 years old, still hasn't learned his lesson. You know what I mean? And it's his second time in, so, you know. And it's, it's not fun having a birthday in jail. Did it once before, I'm doing it this year. So, But a month later, I get out. So hopefully when I turn 32, I'm, I can be older and wiser and just kick the habit and just, just get out and, and enjoy my life instead of coming back. Uh, when I get out, I'd like to start my own recording studio up, get brothers like Johnny there and that, you know, start a little group up. Just brothers from all over come together and, you know, just let our feelings out and that. Yeah, that's about pretty much it. And I just want to be a good role model for everyone. Yeah, I want people to respect me and that when I go. And yeah, it's pretty much it for me. See, that's what I mean by the people within the system itself. They're the ones who are supposed to stop the revolving door, not you and me as individuals. They're the yeah, ones who. Yeah, but they can't. They're in it. You know, they can't stop it. You know, it's a wheel. It keeps turning. Um, it keeps turning. They can't stop it. Only we can stop it. 
from out here, you know, and the only way we can stop it is by strengthening our communities, I think, and and making supports not not only post-release, but pre-incarceration, like appropriate housing. You know, like we're we're losing public housing at a rate of knots at the moment, and there is nothing to replace it. And I think building houses, not prisons, is where we have to start and and get people out of prisons and into homes. People need bail addresses for a start to keep them out of remand, you know, and, and that that's not addressed. You know, a, a boarding house is not an appropriate bailing address. Um, you know, a caravan park is not an appropriate bail address. People need homes. And the money we spend on prisons could build, you know, more homes than we need. The money spent on prisons and the entire prison industrial complex could satisfy more than our housing needs. You're listening to 20 Years on the Inside, reflecting on 20 years of Beyond the Bars a unique live prison broadcast series coordinated by 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on the lands now called Australia. Getting out. I did every program in this joint after doing years in here, preparing myself for the outer. Inside, I think I'm mentally ready for society as a mother figure to my two kids, Tish, who is now at high school, and my little man, Jason, at primary school. I'm coming home, my babies. On my release day, I go straight to my kids, with arms open wide, feeling everlasting love. I'm never going to lose that feeling. It makes you feel so deadly in every way and proud. I feel so ready, but as the weeks go by and lack of support, I turn to people I think care and want to help. Yeah, help me spend my money and leave me posted, with them having the last laugh at me. Now I've got goose written on my forehead with a habit, questioning where's my place in this world. I only lasted three weeks outside, shame job. After so many years inside, preparing myself for the outer, all I can say is I thought I was ready, well, not this round, maybe the next round. Well, I don't know, the main thing for me is getting out, because I've been in for a long, well, some people say not a long time, I say it's a long time, three years, and I honestly don't know what to do when I get out, you know what I mean? I don't know. I was in for a year before that, I was out for two months, and in for three years, you know? I don't know what's out there, I don't know what's installed for me, it's all changed. But the main thing is really I've I've linked back in with me footy club and all that. So, you know, I only played oh, I didn't even play a game, I was sitting on the bench with them, but I used to train with them and that, so I've linked back in with them, get a job and that. But the main thing I wanna do, I wanna go up Northern Tor- Territory. I can't remember the exact name of this joint, but I wanna go up there, they do a youth program. I'm still young and they can relate to me, you know, because some most of the fellas there's some younger fellas there, twelve year old young lads, you know, but most of them like sixteen, seventeen, they can relate to me, you know. And I just wanna help kids Oh, not kids, you know, the next generation, you know, it's a, I want them to learn. And in a way, I'm glad that I went through this so I can show them what not to go through, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, the main thing when I get out is just 
coping with getting out at first and then, yeah, going to help the young generation grow up. Yeah, uh, when I get out of prison, I just want to go back to work, back to my little girl, Skylar, and Mrs Megan. But overall in life, I just want to do what I do best is farming and leave something for my older two daughters, Mia and Ella. Um, sadly, I haven't seen them in a, bit, a couple of years, so just as long as they know that I'm thinking of them every minute of the day and just want to work for them and just let them know that there's something there for them when I'm not no longer around. With me, you know, I didn't wake up one day and decide I was going to use drugs, you know. I had a lot of problems that put me in that, in that yep. path, you know, for me to do drugs. I have children as well, yep. you know, so I have my kids waiting for me to snap out of it sort of thing, yep. um, you know, so I can be a mum to them again, you know. I've got my sister being a mother to my children because I'm to, you know, or I've chosen to break the law, you know, so they're waiting for me to change my, my perspectives. My mother hasn't seen me for nearly two to three years now, mm. so she hasn't seen me back in this lifestyle where I used to work. Um, I worked for seven years when I finished my HSC. I got my licence when I was 15, nine months. So, you know, I didn't wake up one day um, and decide to do this. You know, I've never been in, in, in trouble with the law until I come to Victoria. You know, I had a gold licence in New South Wales. I had everything. I had a home. I had a four-bedroom home. And I, I left it and I come down here because I wanted to explore a different life, you know, where it led me into trouble. Obviously, I haven't got off that road just yet, but, you know, my mother hasn't seen me in this lifestyle while I'm in prison for quite some time, you know, so it's something that I'm wanting to show her as well to make sure I maintain that when I get home. When I got out, like I... Because I'm used to being in jail, in and out of jail all the time, but mm. the big the big sentences are the hardest ones, like, because mm. you've been away for so long, like, you just... Like, sometimes, like me, I wanted to go out Moona and just be away from people. Like, I, yeah. like I just shut myself off from society, but and then they come... Like, you got responsibility not only to yourself but to your kids and your community and to your, mm. you know, your mother or grandmother mm. and you can't do that. So I go back in town but you've got, you know, if you've got people that rely on you, you've got to thing over that, you've got to break that cycle yeah. of drugs. Like, now I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Like, but I'm not going to tell another person not to. It's, mm. it's, up, to them, it's up to them to experience that or whatever they do. Because I'm in my thirties now, I'm not not young no more. Like I've got to, I've got to think for more like for my kids and for my um, you know, for myself now. Yeah, like cool. so, I got to um, probably go to find a job and stuff like that, or go back in a shearing shed. So just to go make some end, end meat, or I can yeah. go back on the corners selling dope. Yeah. You know, so it's just two things. Either I do what I'm good at at shearing, or I'm doing the other thing that'll land me back into here. Been away for so long for the crime I committed, but um, it's going to be a bit hard. People might judge me from what I've done, so I'll have to, um, I'll have to face that. Yeah. And, yeah, just the stigma of um, knowing that I've been in jail for so long and I haven't been in jail for quite a while, stayed out of trouble and that, so, yeah. But just that background of being in jail, that stigma mm. as well, oh, look at him, you know, he's got out, you know. So, uh, that won't really bother me, but yeah, if they've got something to say, just come say it to me face. No good running around and talk behind me back. Like even, even um, the form you had to fill out to get into Fulham Prison, and one of the very last questions that is on that form 
uh, goes somewhere in the lines of, uh, do you associate with anybody that has done any time? And I read, listen, I'm a senior elder within not only my family, but in my community. Of course, I'm going to associate with nephews and nieces and, and who come to me for advice, whether they're, they've done time or not. How could I not? Yeah. And um, so the, the powers that be need to, in a sense, pull their head in and not ask Aboriginal people to associate with other Aboriginal people. What are we supposed to associate with non-Aboriginal people who are going to call us, you know, whatever they're going to label us as? It's a sad indictment on society anyway that there probably isn't one single Aboriginal person in this country that doesn't know or be related to somebody who is or has been in prison. I think the reason why it is that I've done what I've done is because that, that I was one of those uh, institutionalised individuals as a child. So I think my way of stopping the so-called revolving door is to to give access to to my people and and you're a perfect example right here right now you and rossi morgan in the fact that you're both giving back after being residents of those facilities as adults well this is how former prisoners help current people inside mm. this is how we do it by doing um, beyond the bars broadcasts by by creating contacts and 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 keeping connections with with people who are still inside and as to prior going into prison we we have to have those strong healthy communities with homes suitable affordable safe and livable homes for for people to be families and communities in. How can this Aboriginal woman in a tiny little flat in Balambi stop the revolving door? How, how, how can you stop it? I can't, only, only by participating in, in storytelling situations and, and by telling my story and other people's stories um, and hoping other people are listening. I can't do anything heroically, you know, superwoman-like to mm. put a stop to the revolving door. But everything I do do is towards that aim. Mm. So, Vicky, the 20 years of this podcast, when you... Here comes that word again, reflection on reflection. What, what is listening to the, the 20 years, but also your spirit? How does, how does it sit with you? I think my spirit's mostly sat in the same place. Um, I think I've just, I'm just catching up with it. Mm. The 20 years of the broadcast has... Um, solidified thoughts 
that I've had in my mind for a long time that I didn't think were perhaps acceptable to to a lot of people or, um, you know, didn't know how other people would take them that are not anymore. And what really gets me is that the same themes keep cropping up all the time of homelessness and lack of support. I look back over the journey and a lot of the residents, participants, doesn't matter what, because they're all, they're all individuals who are connected to their families, to their, their mobs, their countries, their languages, and um, they're now our ancestors, you know, a lot of them. And that yeah. upsets, that upsets me. If only they were given the chance, you know. If only they were given the opportunity that non-Aboriginal Australians get in the same Opportunities yeah. deliberately denied us. Mm. But they become statistics, not they don't remain those individuals, you know. No. They, they switch they switch over from being an individual to a statistic. You know, deaths in custody, what is it, 500 now? Almost. Who's, um, who's answerable for those 500 deaths? Nobody, no, apparently. No, nobody, no. So. Nobody, it's the way the system works. Yeah. And so I, I look back and I think uh, that 20-something years of beyond the bars and I'm that, I'm that old uncle who would rather just stand up from that little fire in the bush, uh, stand up and walk away into the bush and you won't see me again. And, it, and it's been proven that this year that, you know, uh, where's Uncle Kutcher? What's, what's going on? Why isn't he here? And it's... You know, you sit back and you listen to this year's broadcasts and and a lot of those questions are posed and you hear them and you, your heart sinks and you, hey, Anki, I'm tired, you know, because it's, the, it's this 20-year commitment that takes its toll, Vic, you know. And, um, yeah, I look at your commitment to the cause that you've chosen, you know. And you're still here, Vic, even though your health is, you know, is what it is. But you see the commit, you see the better tomorrow, you know, even though there might be a tomorrow, but you see that it's not about you as an individual, you know. And that's that's why I, you know, I honour honour what you do and what you've done and what you've achieved and. Yeah, and 3CR, I honour 3CR and, yeah, I just want I just want people to look back over the journey of the 20 years of Beyond the Bars and, and just reflect. I don't want them to think either way or just reflect and understand that we do what we do for a better tomorrow for our future and, and um, yeah. And it'd be fantastic one day if, you know, a group of us were all out there moving on with our lives, representing the community. And as much as we appreciate and love this, and we look forward to it all year round, as I said, this is my third one. Just, it's a very sad testament that we're all 
in custody and locked up. So maybe one day we can all work towards getting out and, you know, if we could all be outside together talking, communicating and helping others. It's extraordinary to think that creativity and vision held by those on the inside. And we want to acknowledge what a privilege it's been to listen to their insights and to share their voices and their stories with you. That was the final episode of 20 Years on the Inside. Across this six-part series, we've been reflecting on 20 years of Beyond the Bars, a live prison radio project founded and run by 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne in jails across Victoria. Our hope is that this series has inspired you to take action in whatever way you can to address the injustices that continue in this country and to imagine a better future. On today's episode, you heard from Josh, Bomber, Travis, Johnny, Harrow, Eric, Lawrence, Jody, Angie, and others in prisons across Victoria. A special thank you to Alice and also Tom and Lib for their help in promoting the series. We also want to say a huge thank you to all the incredible broadcasters, technicians, and staff that have made this project possible since 2002. The series was produced in solidarity with Black, Indigenous and people of colour in prisons everywhere around the world. United, we stand stronger. Together, we are undefeatable. Thanks to production team Arijna, Juliet Fox and Fiona Dean. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. Toodaloo, folks. Thank mm-hmm. you.